Welcome in, everybody, to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name's Phil. And I'm Stacy. And this is a podcast devoted to reviewing and breaking down horror movies, both new and old, good and batshit terrible. With me, somebody loves horror movies and always has. And me, who was forced into it. <laughs> so we're still a relatively new podcast. And with that being said, if you enjoy the podcast, please, please, please make sure to subscribe and share with your friends to help us grow. Reviews are truly the best way to help our small podcast grow. And introducing new viewers is something that is very, very much appreciated. We're on Facebook at Horror's Edge and Instagram and Twitter at The Horror's Edge. Uh, Instagram is our most used, and DMs are always open for discussion. So I know that podcasts are typically a one-sided conversation. You're listening to our opinions on it, but we always have our socials open, so that way we can continue to that uh, discussion. If you notice something that we didn't, or you disagree with something that we said, let's start a conversation about it. Hit us up, and I love talking horror movies, so anytime that I can do that with a fan, absolutely love it. Uh, today we're going to be discussing 2022's film, Smile. Uh, I have not seen this movie prior to today's viewing, have you? No, I have not. I've seen a couple trailers, but that's about it. Gotcha. So when this one was out in theaters, this is when we just first started doing our podcasting, so I didn't want to go see it uh, by myself while you haven't seen it yet. Um, so... I waited until this one was available. Where did we stream this on? Do you know? I think uh, that it was just Xfinity. It was on Xfinity, but it was like a extra channel that we get that we pay, like a movie channel. Um, but they do have it on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, so it's Paramount. So uh, see this now on Paramount. It's in Redbox, and it's also everywhere that video on demand is. So if you haven't seen this film yet, check it out on any of those channels. Um, this is a film that reminds me very much of other horror movies that i've seen I, I can think of two very much in particular and i'll get into it when i'm doing the review of the film i'm not sure if you've seen either of those yet so i'm looking forward to talking to the, about that with you um but as far as uh trailers go i hate trailers for horror movies uh they give away so much say, of the film they give away too much so there's so many of what should have been the best jump scares in this movie directly in the trailer. I'm, I'm looking at the IMDb page, and it always has the trailer right there. And this is only like a 10-second uh, teaser trailer. But what I thought was the best jump scare in the movie was given away in the trailers. And as soon as I – like even before it happened, I saw it starting to happen. I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. And that pissed me off so much. Yeah, I mean that kind of goes into when we get into our ratings. Um, I feel like that kind of lowered the rating for me because of the jump scares. Yeah, I'm not a big jump scare fan. I just um, feel like they were so predictable um, and they weren't actually jump scares. Maybe if I was in a movie theater – um, Where they have the, the sound cranked up to a thousand. Yeah. Definitely helps. I just feel like they were so well known that that was going to be the jump scare. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This film is directed by Parker Finn. Never heard his name before. This is really the only film that he's known for. He also did Laura Hasn't Slept, which is a short, and uh, Hide Behind, which is a short. But with the great success of this movie, I'm sure he's going to get much, much more uh, films in the future. This movie was given $17 million, and it grossed, you want to take a guess? How much was it worth? They paid $17 million to make it. 
Um, 59. Keep going. Really? Yeah. 70. Keep, uh, way more. $216 million worldwide. That's what uh, they made? Yeah. I believe that this was the number one horror movie for 2022 financially. Um, as far as is it the best we'll get into that but no um 2022 is such a good fucking year for horror movies there are so many movies that came out this year that i was just in love with x nope black phone barbarian the, the movies that came out this year were just I awesome say, if you're gonna rate it kind of next to those movies i could see where it's gonna fall short but you can't do that uh by any means so we'll be obviously being very independent while uh rating this movie it may be different for me than it is for you and i'm guessing that it will be um but that's just a blind guess i really have no idea where you're going with this one so let's know what i'm thinking (laughs) (laughs) let's just jump right into the reviews the way that we review movies on this podcast is one through ten one being absolutely dog shit terrible do not watch this movie five being this is an average movie and uh it's not going to offend you or win any awards 10 being this is an absolutely amazing movie everybody should watch this where did you get this I actually really struggled with this movie on rating it. Um, I'll tell you the number and then I'll kind of explain why. Yep. I gave it a six. It wasn't terrible, but here's the things I liked about it. Obviously, this is my first watch. I thought the title card when it came onto the screen, super cool um, graphic, how they did it. The acting was great. I don't know what I was expecting from this movie because I didn't really see trailers. I would see like bits and pieces of it, but I tried to, I tried to shield myself from it. Yep. It just felt like something was missing. It felt like the story was not what I was expecting it to be, but I don't know what I was expecting. Hmm. I felt, I felt like it fell kind of short for me. And then through the movie, I kept thinking, well, maybe it's going to pick up. Maybe it's going to pick up. I, it was just like a right in the middle. The jump scares really got me, I think. It was so predictable when they were doing them. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I know it's coming. Like, knock it off. <laughs> the thing that really took me out of it was, you know how I get motion sickness? Yeah. The camera work in this. I figured you'd hate that. I mean, I wrote it every time. It's like five or six times. I hated it. Yeah, especially towards the end when they were in the woods, uh, they were getting a little bit crazy. So I can't imagine actually seeing this in the movie theater. It probably would have been worse compared to at home. But that really took it out of me for this movie because it it happened so much that I was like, all right, when is this done? Gotcha. Makes sense. a six. Okay. Uh, Before I jump into my rating, one thing that I forgot to mention at the beginning of this podcast, I wanted to jump into last podcast (laughs) Uh, i meant to mention this before we got into our uh ratings of this movie but i completely forgot so i gave i am legend a seven and uh i had somebody message me saying really only seven for that movie and one major negative that i had for that movie that i meant to say in there but i wanted to wait till i got to the spoilers and then by the time that i got there i completely forgot is we didn't see the infected kill anybody and what i mean by that is it doesn't have to be super gory like in your face 
but you should really be scared of these monsters based yeah. upon what they can do. So you can just show them kind of off screen, like show the person's face, but the infected's arms ripping and tearing at flesh or whatever it is that they do. You need to show what the things do to you yeah. when it attacks you. And the fact that it didn't do that just really irritated me. Now, the fact that... I love horror movies. I wanted this to be a hard R movie, but I understand why it's PG-13. It, it, it had to be. Um, I would have loved to have seen one super gory kill, but I would have settled for one off-screen-ish kill. But it had to have something. It didn't have a single one in the entire movie. There was not a single kill shown anywhere. Yeah. And that, for the genre, it, it killed it for me. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, we see how super freak athletic and superhero almost these infected things are when it's chasing Will Smith. I, I get it. They're super powerful, super fast, and super crazy. You don't see what they do. Yeah. And sometimes uh, leaving it to thought is better. I want to see it. At least one. So, diving into Smile. I know that I'm completely off topic there, but somebody messaged me and I wanted to bring that up because to me that was super important that that should have been in there, but it wasn't. So, Smile, I gave a 5 out of 10. Uh, I thought that I thought we would be way apart. I thought that this would be much more up your alley. Uh, I figured you would have been at an 8 or a 9 because this is extraordinarily hard by the numbers. Um... I could see that. I mean, again, I don't know what I was expecting in this movie. I, I guess it's because of the hype. Gosh. I think that even though I didn't see any trailers, everybody kept saying, you got to see this, you got to see this. Not that I go off of other people's thoughts or what they like, considering I haven't seen horror in 20 years. I just, I don't know, the story just felt like it didn't necessarily make sense until they kind of started tying it up. But even at that, I'm like, I still don't get it. Yeah. So this movie did get huge, huge, huge hype behind it. It was one of the, obviously, biggest horror movies of the year. Uh, with money that it made wise, there's actually a piece of trivia in here. Paramount originally planned for this to be straight to streaming. Um, it had a low budget of $17 million. It was supposed to go straight to Paramount+, Plus, but the, para the film screened uh, very, very well for test audiences, much higher than expected, prompting Paramount to give it a theatrical release, which was a hugely correct decision, grossed over $220 million. Yeah. Um, so it went beyond their wild ex expectations, and most of that was through word of mouth. So many people... This came out, Barbarian came out, hey, you need to see this. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just yeah. go watch it. Um, but jumping. That's really what it was. It's not like people were telling me about the movie. It's, well, first off, the public, um, what's the word? <laughs> where they, like, try to get the word out, the promos. Like, mm -hmm. they were having people, like, in baseball stadiums doing a creepy smile. Like, yeah. you had all that. Even though I wasn't watching the movie or planning on watching it anytime soon, it still was always kind of right, like, behind everything I was watching. That was an ingenious promo thing. I haven't seen anything like that since the Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project had huge, huge, huge uh, 
natural type of promos that it did for yeah. it. It tried to do it, but it, it didn't hit quite as much when they were promoting it. They actually put red balloons throughout major cities in the sewers. Uh, just one red balloon yeah. per street in a sewer, and then they would go to another street, one red balloon. Uh, Blair Witch Project boosted it up to make it seem like a real movie more than anything in its time had ever done before, uh, and it really, really helped boost how much money that movie made. This one where they had people – free advertisement, man. Yeah. <laughs> go to a baseball game. We'll pay for your ticket. Uh, for a really good seat right behind home plate and your entire job is to stand there and smile yeah the entire time and you're just wearing a shirt for the smile movie so uh, i think that's why i don't know what i was expecting but because of the promo i guess i misunderstood the premises of the story okay Short well jumping into my review <laughs> uh so there are two movies that come to mind when I watch this movie, and I couldn't stop thinking about them through the entire thing. Have you ever seen It Follows? No. Have you ever seen uh, The Ring? I think I've seen The Ring. Okay. That one probably would stick to you a little bit more than I think that I've seen no, it. Like that, it that's, the, <laughs> that's the one where uh, they the you watch the video and then you yeah. die seven days later. The reason later. I'm laughing is because we were just having this discussion about the scary movie franchise. Yeah. And so you're thinking of the scary movie. You're not thinking of the no, movie itself. No, I, I, when you asked me, that's what I immediately thought. But then I remember I actually saw the real horror movie afterwards. Okay. That's what made me laugh. I'm sorry. So you saw the spoof before you saw the movie? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, everything about this movie was... I don't want to say a direct ripoff because it had its own twist to it, but it was a di almost shot for shot of the original The Ring. I could see um, that. One person dies at the beginning of the film, uh, and then if they get the VHS tape, the next person sees the VHS tape. The whole movie's dedicated to trying to find the yes. origins of the VHS tape. Somebody else dies, and then you figure out how to get away by showing somebody else the VHS tape. Uh, this is so close to scene for scene for that. And then It Follows, uh, which I need to look up when It Follows came out. Um, but It Follows, uh, very similar plot beats to this one. That one I'm not going to uh, spoil anything since you haven't seen that one yet. That was in 2015. Um, but man so much similarities between them and this movie did have its parts to where i'm like that was really well done or that was really well done but overall this is an average horror movie a five is not a bad rating a no. five is hey this ain't bad check it out if you want to right. um and that's how, exactly how i felt about it and now how it did so well in the theaters surprised me i could have sworn the entire time that i was watching this with the exception of one or two very brief scenes this was a pg-13 horror movie and i thought that's how it did so well the fact that it's r very much surprised me or the fact that they even let it be an r um i guess because they were originally planning on this going straight to streaming so that had a lot to do with it but the fact that it got an R rating very much surprised me yeah. uh, because this feels like a PG-13 movie through and through between The Grudge or The Ring or something along those lines. Um, they 
could have very easily gone that route, and it probably would have made more than the two hundred and twenty million that it made. I could see that. Um, but well, like I said, this is an average movie. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I had fun with it. The things that it did show in there were super violent and it was cool to see even though it was very few and far between some of the jump scares were done well the scenes that weren't jump scares but were scares were done even better i hate jump scares i'm not a fan of them you throw a loud noise on something and i'm gonna jump it's not that I'm scared. It's just <laughs> there's it's a loud the noise that played. Yeah. yeah uh, so they, they never do it for me. But this movie itself was pretty good. I would say go check it out. And I think without spoiling the movies, that's about as far as we can go in it without beating a dead horse. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of spoilers in there, but I don't think they were too heavy. Yeah. The, nothing much. Um, so from here, we are going to get into full spoiler territory. If you have not seen this movie, like we suggested at the beginning, go check it out. It's going to be worth your time. The IMDb plot synopsis for this movie is, After witnessing a bizarre, traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. So, scene by scene breakdown of this one. I am going to throw some trivia in through, throughout this that I found on uh, IMDb. Um, I got a couple of them here at the beginning, which I think that we already talked about, but I'm going to hit them anyway. Uh, so I'll let you know if it's trivia before we jump into it. So, a couple of days before the uh, release, actors from the film showed up at various baseball games sitting behind home plate. Uh, dead still and smiling, staring into the camera, unmoving, despite fans in the audience being uh, understandably concerned while wearing smile t-shirt. Another person did it in the background of the crowd during the Today Show. So the fans around had no idea what was going on, and they're all creeped out. And throughout the entire series of the baseball game, they're out there. Yeah, Really cool advertising. I, I love that they did that. Um, that I already mentioned about the uh, low budget of the film, prompting it to eventually get a theatrical release after good uh, screenings. So the movie opens up with a woman uh, lying dead on a bed. There's pretty cool camera work here where it starts out sideways, twists right, and then starts zooming out slowly, just showing a completely destroyed room, uh, pill bottles everywhere, and then it keeps zooming out until you see a little girl standing at the doorway and you can tell that the little girl is like a duplicate of uh the actress in here who plays rose uh her name is looking it up one second terrible with actors and actresses name sosie bacon uh never heard of her before um but so it jumps from her being a little girl to her being a grown woman and she's at her place of work she's at her office she's a therapist and she has a pace when just mumbling um about how everybody's going to die i'm going to die you're going to die we're going to die we're all going to die you're going to die i'm going to die and that's all that he's doing and she is being extraordinarily patient very calm throughout the situation nerves of steel the whole nine um and despite him freaking out she's being very calm and talking him down 
and then we get an overhead shot of the ambulance outside rolling somebody into the hospital screaming, I can't go in there, I can't go in there. Um, and then it pans from that. It does this pretty neat shot of where it zooms into the building and then up and then goes in through the window, window where Rose is walking into. And a piece of trivia for that is the director of the movie uh, said that that's to kind of show the evil is coming into her life, coming into Rose's life. I can see that. Um, so from here, uh, Rose goes in to talk with her boss, and her boss is telling her that, hey, I saw that you just admitted this person. Yeah, they're having some type of psychiatric breakdown. They really need the help. And they're like, you know it. They don't have insurance, so we're going to have to pick up the bill. And she's like, what does it matter? He needs the help. So she very much cares about the people that she's caring for um, much more than she does the hospital. She's in it for the right reasons, yeah. it seems like. Absolutely. Um, so from here, she gets called into a room uh, to talk with a girl named Laura. And she, as she walks in the room, the room seems empty, but she finally sees the girl in the corner of the room. And Rose is still super calm, super chill. And Laura says that she's seeing something that looks like people, but it's not a person. It's always a random person. Uh, sometimes she knows them very much. Sometimes it's a stranger, but it appears to be wearing somebody's face like a mask. And it's always smiling. It's the worst smile that you've ever seen, and it terrifies me. Uh, very cool way to introduce... Uh, this thing that is yeah. prominent in the movie it's not showing the smile whatsoever no. it's not showing things from laura's point of view it's only showing anything from rose's point of view she can't see anything uh, and she's being very calm very uh hey calm down laura things are going to be okay there's nothing in here right now and uh the camera at this point it, they keep trying to be super artsy yeah I, and half the time it works <laughs> yeah half the time it doesn't at this scene it, it's it has the camera zoomed in on their face at like an angle pointing down and it will go from laura and then it will go to rose and it, it didn't work for me i hated these camera shots that it had here yeah. it felt like it was trying to go way too cinematic and it just didn't work for me at all yeah it kind of takes you out of the moment yeah i really enjoyed it when they were doing like the overhead shots of the ambulance and then zooming into it while going up and almost like a drone shot yeah uh, and then going into the room that's awesome the shot at the beginning where they had the camera sideways and then zoomed it out slowly uh but the scenes like this i i hate it like it completely took me out of what it was trying to do um, but it's going back and forth between the two of them and they're explaining the situation. So basically th this is the plot synopsis. We're learning about this, uh, thing Laura has, um, and Laura starts freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Something is going on in this room. Rose can't see anything, but she's like, oh my God, it's coming for me. It's right here. How can you not see it? And, uh, Which, the way that you have two different kind of acting in one room that's so hard to kind of put across because obviously laura's freaking out and she's in that state of like panic but rose is super calm like trying to tell her like nothing's here nothing's here but you can clearly see that laura 
see something. So the fact that they could mush those two together in that scene yeah. worked really well. I agree. Um, so from this point, Rose decides something needs to be done. So she goes over, she picks up the phone, uh, and she says, hey, we need help right now. There's something going on with this lady. Uh, it might be a seizure. She doesn't really know what's going yeah. on, but she needs help. And by the time that she hangs up the phone, she turns around. Uh, she looks where Laura was. She's not there anymore, but she's standing up and smiling at her. When I got that first look at that creepy-ass smile, I thought to myself, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I hate that smile, and everybody knows that smile, even if it's not, like, supposed to be sinister. That fake-ass, glued-your-mouth-upwards yep. smile. Joker type of smile. Yes, that's exactly what I kept thinking. It's like somebody took it and cut your mouth and taped it up so high up to your eyeballs. Yep, even before this movie, it was used in different type of horror things. Uh, I forget the name of the movie, but there was one where almost like a pig face with no eyes, but it had that type of smile to it. Um, obviously the Joker is what makes that type of smile very, very common in a creepy way, but yeah. it, it's been around. Also, uh, the man who laughs is a very old 1960s, uh, movie that, uh, depicts somebody with a degenerate condition, basically that makes them have that smile all the time and how it creeps people out. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, it just makes you feel uneasy. So she's standing there smiling ear to ear. And she has a shard of a plate that fell in her hand, and she jabs it in by her ear and drags it all the way down oh, below her chin, through her throat, to the other side of the throat, and then back up to almost touch the bottom of the other ear to where it's a giant smile. Uh, and she's smiling the whole time that she's doing this. She never changes her face, and she falls down after bleeding out from slitting her throat with this. And she's still smiling in her death. Uh, piece of trivia for this. The smiles in this film are all natural and not enhanced with visual effects. The studio even asked if they could be tweaked to make them more prominent. But Parker Finn stuck to his guns as he wanted to be grounded in the creepiness. So as he was trying people out for certain roles, he would have them smile to see how much they could get it to be naturally there. Because he didn't want to use any special effects in it whatsoever. That's actually pretty cool because I would have thought some of those smiles that were prominent in the movie were digitally enhanced, and the fact that they weren't, that's impressive. It is. Uh, so from here, uh, we get the title card of Smile while it, the camera it zooms in from looking at Rose's face to in her eye, and the black of her eye was the title card. Uh, and... That title screen does not even appear till 13 minutes into the film. That's crazy. Which is very long. There, there's one or two that I can specific, specifically think of that's just as long, but man, they take their time with it. I did um, like how like it was kind of like a blinking, like a neon light type of feel, um, saying smile as a title card. Yeah, so Parker Finn knew from the start of the film that he wanted the film's title card to be very anxiety-inducing. An earlier version failed the Harding test, which examines how triggering an image is to photosensitive viewers. So it used to be even more flashing than they stuck with, yeah. and they toned it down like a little bit. Yeah, I guess it's more like a strobe light type yep. of feel. 100%. Not a neon light. <laughs> uh, so from here, Laura is getting interviewed by some detectives about the death. And she says that she was convinced by 
a demonic presence. It was following her, and they just acted like they didn't give a shit no, at this point. Uh, both of them. Uh, there were two different detectives that were interviewing her, and Rose said that she died. They're saying like, uh, "We need something. Do you have anything else to give us? Because we got to talk to her family about this." And Rose is like, "Well, before she died, she, she was smiling, and even in uh, all of her." It, after she died, she kept the same smile, and it showed her corpse in the morgue with the sheet over, and the blood from the thing made a red stain yeah. through the sheet, which was pretty cool. Very neat shot right there. Um, we get more overhead slash upside down camera shots as the car is driving away. This is where I got um, seasick <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, because here they were doing it while she was driving, yeah. so it was really uh zooming through the yeah, woods I which hated it <laughs> seems like has to be in every horror movie now <laughs> all of them uh if you're going through the woods you need to have this shot uh anyway uh rose shows up at her artsy fartsy home with her cat and nobody else is home uh and she's obviously shook up from what she saw and rightfully so yeah. very stressful day at work uh she, Instantly shows her lock the door behind her, so very, very attentive to uh, have home security there. Yeah. And the camera's panning around the house, and uh, you can see Laura in her house smiling in the corner of the room at her. Um, and then Trevor walks in, giving her a jump scare. She, she drops her wine glass as she had. And uh, they go out to dinner with her uh, sister and her sister's husband. She's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's entirely zoned out during this thing, struggling to be involved in any conversations that are going on. And uh, that put down, they're not the best people. Yeah. Her sister, and her I'm sister's sure husband. That, I mean, like, obviously this was a traumatic event, but in the lifestyle and the career that she chose, I'm sure that she's had days like this. So it didn't really throw me off as like, wow, she's really struggling with this. Um, patient that kind of killed herself in front of her but you can tell that they were really trying to focus on that like make it all mumble jumble she's not in the conversation she's not listening and her sister and her brother-in-law are dicks <laughs> i mean she's going on talking about god knows what because i just said screw you you're so annoying which that was the point of the characters yeah but still i was like come on yeah, and you grow to see why there's that disconnect yes. between them. Uh, they made it very pronounced here at the beginning, which I hate when they go so overboard with it, but, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, so Trevor and Rose get back to the house, and once again it's showing that they are very much about home security. second that they walk in the door, they lock the door, they turn the home alarm on, and uh, the next day they wake up, Rose is at work, and the detective from the previous day to come, come, came back in to check on her, uh, but she shuts him out real quick. Yeah. <laughs> the, this was a plot hole for me because they did not explain this relationship until almost the complete end of the movie. Well, it seemed like the detective uh, it kind of fell from her from the beginning interview and then wanted to try and get with her but obviously was shut down uh so then he just backed out of it completely no, they were together they broke up oh they were previously together yes they I never said that, that until the end that's mm -hmm. why he said this whole 
relationship thing. They hinted at it, and that's fine. You don't have to spell it out for me. I'm not a toddler, but apparently I am. <laughs> you you don't do the feelings. That's why I didn't catch on. Um, yeah, they like hinted like Joel and Rose kind of maybe had a thing, but they didn't like specifically say it until way at the end when they um the movie's almost over and she kind of explains everything. And I thought to myself, you waited to kind of put that little thought in your head until the end that made no sense to me. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't see that at all. It just was a very odd interaction because you kind of didn't get that sense at that first interview that they had some sort of, not even a relationship, but just a familiarness with each other. You didn't get that. So when he showed up this second time, it really just threw the whole thing off. Yeah, it didn't make much sense to me when I was watching it either. Um, either way, she shuts him down, and then the uh, receptionist or the nurses at the desk are just like, "Yeah, don't you know she's engaged?" But I'm single. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it, so it was it was funny. Uh, so from here, Rose asked them to send the police reports from Laura, the girl from the day before, so that way she can read into the case because obviously she still shook up from it. The girl said that she saw. Somebody commits suicide a week prior, and it's been happening these problems since. So uh, she looks outside when she's up in her room waiting for it, and uh, she sees somebody standing there in the courtyard outside at the bottom of the hospital, just staring up at her, smiling from down below. And as she's walking past rooms, one of the patients is just standing, sitting in the bed, Carl, the guy from the very beginning of the movie that she met with, and he's smiling at her, and he's not talking at all, uh, but finally he just starts yelling at her, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, just getting progressively louder and louder while continuing to smile. He yeah. keeps his smile throughout the whole thing. Which is and, impressive that you can yell and smile at the same time. Yeah, so she, she just yells to people, hey, I need help, he needs to be restrained. But then as soon as she snaps back to look at him again, she finds that he's just sleeping. So people run into the room, they're bombarding him, holding him down, and he's just waking up like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, I mean, traumatic. <laughs> yeah, so she's now in the boss's office again, and he makes her take paid week off because she's obviously sh still shook up from the suicide. She's making on rash decisions. He knew that uh, Carl is a very harmless person. Right. Uh, that's not him, and uh, she just needs some time off. So we now get an upside-down city shot of Rose driving home. Second time I almost threw up in my chair. <laughs> yeah, and the first time that I did the shot, really awesome. The second yeah. time, okay. Now did it a third time, same exact style shot. I'm like, okay, I, I, I get what you're trying to do. Just stop. I, I didn't like it, and, and I've said it before. It just does not make sense. There's different ways that you can do camera angles. I don't want to feel like I'm on a freaking roller coaster when I'm sitting still and there's 15 other things moving because they do it when other things are moving in the scene. Yeah. So it's like the camera's moving, but then the car or the person, somebody else is moving. You're getting two different motions at the same time. Take it out. Yeah. So uh, on her way home, she decides to stop and buy a toy train for uh, her sister's son. Because uh, when she was talking to Holly, her sister, uh, she told her that she couldn't go to the birthday party. She, she said, hey, at least just buy a present, drop it off. We'll say it's from uh, your aunt. And it, this, 
all is good. So she goes, she buys a toy train, and she goes back home to have some more wine and pack up the gifts. And I put in here, the movie does a very good job of making you think that something's going to be there when it's not. And what I mean by that is kind of the opposite of what you said. You said that all the jump scares were super predictable. You know the time frame that they were coming, but you didn't know the scene. So I'm thinking of a scene in particular where she's in the kitchen and they do this two or three times and they have the door wide open and the camera's only showing the door open and her. And in your head, you're like, there's going to be a person smiling when she shuts that door yeah. and she shuts the door and nothing's there. And then the camera will slowly pan in another direction. And then that's when the jump scare comes. So in this one, the jump scare was the house alarm goes off. She drops her wine glass. Uh, second day in a row that she did it. And she grabs the scissors to defend herself, runs over to the front door and checks it and finds out that the front door shut. So she turns her security alarm off and the security company calls and says, hey, is... Uh, can you give us your username and password? She gives it to him. Okay, your alarm went off. Is everything okay? She's like, my back door is open. I don't know why it is. And the person on the phone's like, okay, calm down. Uh, are you the only one at home? She's like, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. That's when I was like, look that. <laughs> look behind you. Once again, felt very much like Scream at this point. Um, but it worked. It yeah. worked very well. But to yeah. me, this was the best scare in the movie. That, that was, was that a good line. Scene. That line was the best uh, scare in the movie. And then slow, Rose slowly turns around. And then right before she finishes turns around, the phone goes off again. And she looks over at the phone. She's not holding it anymore. Yeah. So it was, she almost envisioned all that stuff in her head happening, although it didn't happen. Yeah. So she picks it up, and this time it is the real security. They ask for a username and password, and then we flash forward to the cops showing up at her place. And the cops are like, hey, we did a full sweep. Nobody's there. You're good to go. And Trevor, her boy, uh, fiancé, shows up at this point to the house with cops everywhere. And he's questioning her about the alarm going off. And she's no longer calm, cool, and collected like yeah. she was at the beginning of the film. Here she's starting to freak out a little bit more. So it, it gets progressively worse, which is cool. It's not just like full blown. I do have to say they did a good job with that character starting her off at like she's got nerves of steel, nothing bothers her for that type of job. Yeah. And it did. It was like a slow progression. It wasn't too fast. It wasn't from one to a hundred. I did enjoy the fact that they took that character in a slow pace through the movie. And they did a good job with it, too, overall. Um, the acting was done very well, I do need to say. She, she did a great job with the character. She uh, put as much emotion into it as she needed to. Nothing was overly done or overly crazy, so I was pretty happy with it. Um, and just as a side note for our podcast, I, I know that the audio kind of comes in and out a little bit when Stacy's talking. We finally have a new audio setup coming in. <laughs> coming on Thursday. <laughs> uh, so I'm very excited to have that. Uh, we're trying. And, uh, which is pretty crazy to say because we're not making a dime for this. But who cares? Uh, <laughs> it should sound a lot better come next episode. Yeah. Um, so from here, uh, if they're looking everywhere for their cat with the dumbest fucking name in the world. Mustache. Their cat's name is Mustache. <laughs> And we get another flashback as she's searching for her cat. 
of her mom dead in the bed and then this time she grasps for air and rose wakes up and now uh we're back at and i know you and i you asked me in the middle of the movie was that her mom and that was the other thing that kind of drove me crazy because it wasn't completely certain from the beginning who that was whether i thought for maybe the first 30 minutes of this movie rose had a daughter and that was rose that was dead in the bed yeah i thought from the beginning that it was her mom but then when i saw uh or her mom in the bed it looked exactly like her like identical but then we find out in the very next scene that so it that is her mom. that was just a little confusing to me, too. Like, through the movie, I kept trying to figure that out. I was happy that they didn't spell it out. But again, a little bit of context would have been great. Yeah. So Rose listens back to Laura's interview. And, of course, there's hidden audio clip in there because why wouldn't there be? That's a duplicate of the movies that we've seen. And there's some type of uh, thing besides her and screams, Rose! That scared me. That one actually did. <laughs> so, a uh, little piece of trivia here. The person that was staring at her from the courtyard in the hospital was her mother. And the voice's name in this audio tape that we just heard saying Rose is her mother as well. Oh. So, it's her mom's voice, and that was her mom staring at her from the courtyard outside. So, was most of the stuff that she was seeing her mom? N- uh, a lot of the stuff refers back to her mom, but like Laura said at the beginning, sometimes it's somebody that you're latched onto, and sometimes okay. it's completely random. Okay. So she grabs a knife to fend off the person that she just saw as she was listening to the audio clip, and then, of course, Trevor walks in and sees her with a knife, like, all right, this bitch is fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, and Rose shows up to a therapist's house to talk it out. This movie's very touchy-feely, talky. Love it. <laughs> uh, I can't stand this type of stuff. But uh, she goes and she talks her feelings out. And she asks if the reason that she blames herself for this person committing suicide is because she blames herself for her mom's suicide when she was little. So this scene right here confirmed right. what I was thinking at the beginning, that that was her mom and that it was her outside of the room. Um, Rose mentions that she sees and hears things very similar to the patient that laura saw and the therapist is just like hey take as much time as you need don't think about work and start your regular sessions again with me rose only went there to get medication uh she didn't want to talk it out she just wanted some meds to try and stop hallucinating but she got denied um which will remind me i'm gonna jump back into that at the end Uh, Rose showed up to her nephew's birthday party and he opens up a Nerf gun set and is very excited and then they're like, oh, that one's Vermont Rose, go open that one. And he opens it up and instantly I'm like, I know what's in that box. It actually, I did not. And then when it happened, I was like, of course that's what it is. (laughs) You heard me say it too, didn't you? I did. I know what's in there. Yes, I heard you say I know what's in there. And then I thought to myself, how the heck did I not figure out what's in that box if you figured it out? (laughs) I was like mad. They put so much emphasis, emphasis. Uh, little hit, like nuggets in there. Like, oh, we're going to get a train. Oh, look, I'm packing the train. That when I heard the cat's missing, I'm like, the cat's in the box. Yeah, for sure. So sure enough, he opens it up and he starts screaming. 
everybody and he eventually pulls up the cat little mustache and uh everybody at the birthday party is just like completely in shock except for one person who is sitting there and just smiling at her and she falls into a table and just like cuts the shit out of her arms uh before that she was screaming that's not what i fucking put in there and like going batshit crazy in there so rose is in the hospital uh she sees the pain management chart and she's just staring at the number one of a frowny person i kind of laughed at it and she talks to the doctor and then she looks at the chart again and the person at the zero is now smiling yeah pretty cool little twist uh her boss came in super concerned about her trevor is also outside the room just like i'm done with this shit so trevor drives her home and rose is explaining the situation of what's going on with her for like the millionth time we get this explanation about this thing that's following her and he's freaked out and just doesn't know how to handle the situation at all he thinks that this mental illness is something that was passed down from her mom's mental illness when she killed herself yeah and rose is just like touchy-feely about this like how dare you which think it makes that perfect sense if they they emphasize that her mom committed suicide she saw it she went into the fields because of it. Like, they really put that thought into you. So, of course, he would think that. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it fits the story very well. So, uh, Rose is now looking up the professor that killed himself in front of Laura. Uh, he killed himself with a hammer. And as she's doing that, she hears a quiet voice in the hallway telling her to come here. And instead, Rose just ignores it because she's trying to think, this is in my head. I need to sleep this off. That's all that I need to do. Uh, and she tries to sleep, but he, she can hear her mom saying that she needs help and she made a mistake. Uh, the next morning, Rose went to see the professor's wife, and uh, they showed his, like, they were talking back and forth, and the wife was saying they made me identify his body. And they showed his face and how it's all busted up with the hammer. It was pretty brutal looking. Yeah. Um, and uh, from there, Rose asked if he ever describes what he was seeing. She said, I'll show you. They went into a room just full of drawings with fucked up smiles left and right, all the paintings in there. Um, and he saw a woman kill herself about a week before, and that's what sparked everything for him. Uh, so this woman starts harassing sarah as soon as she's asking more questions and just saying get out of my house get out of my house you're you're not from the press get out yeah you're uh, in that case yeah you're you're batshit crazy like my husband was uh basically i think that she knew uh what happened to her husband and she knew that she had the same thing so she wanted her out of the house that way she couldn't get infected with it that that, that's what i got out of that uh, and Rose heads to the, but we don't know that yet. Uh, there's a scene later that kind of gives you that idea. So Rose heads to the detective's house, uh, Joel, and asks Joel for a favor. But you can tell that he doesn't want anything to do with it. He's pissed because he gave her the cold shoulder last time. Right. Uh, and she asks questions about the suicide the professor saw, and he looked it up. Uh, and she finds out that uh, the woman who died and she saw suicide one week prior as well and had a video clip of a man killing himself with some hedge clippers uh it was meant to be a shocking like super crude video didn't do much for me did it get you at all no 
I mean, because you kind of saw it coming. Like, you knew that's what they were going to show in the video was a guy committing suicide. Yeah. It wasn't, like, su- like it wasn't gory. Like, he did it, and it was, like, blood spewing out. No, but you were having it from, like, looking back over his shoulder, looking. Wasn't that gory? Yeah, I didn't think that was as effective as they tried to make it be. Uh, when Rose gets home, Trevor is there with his therapist to hold some type of intervention, and she freaks out on both of them, saying she doesn't need help. Uh, she talked to him in confidence, and he abused that confidence, and then she leaves. Um, and She really puts in a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, she sure does. So Rose shows up to talk with Holly, uh, her sister, and she explains to her sister about how she's cursed by an entity, and Holly's just like, this is exactly what happened to Mom. Listen, I know that I wasn't there for Mom, and I'm sorry to this day that you had to deal with it, but what you're dealing with traumatized my son. And Holly's saying, uh, like, blaming her, saying, you can't come back here until you get your shit straight. And Rose is just freaking out on her, saying, what the fuck are you talking about? You weren't even there for Mom. How do you know about Mom's shit? Um, So they get into a shouting match. Holly kicks her out. Uh, and I, I put in my thing, the second that she went in the car, I knew exactly what scene this was. This is, should have been the best scene in the movie, best scare in the movie, got ruined by the trailer. She gets in the car, uh, Holly walks out of the house almost like she was going to say, hey, sorry, that blew up. She knocks on the window, and then the head falls down and rocks in front of the window. Um, and it was in the trailer. I get it. You need to show some stuff to get people to watch this movie, but it should be enough to just show like a creepy person smiling in the background and then have word of mouth take it from there. Not show your best jump scare in the trailer. Yep. Hated it. And she freaks the fuck out in this car. We see it in the car and then it zooms out. We see her freaking from the car and then it zooms out to the nephew's window and he's looking out his window seeing his aunt freaking the fuck out yeah, in the I car. Yeah, laugh because she, Holly was like, oh, you traumatized my son when yet she did it again. Yeah. So uh, Joel calls Rose and says, hey, I've been tracking this back and I counted back 20 cases and 19 murders. The one guy who lived killed somebody. And he lived, but the witness who watched the murder picked up the curse. So Joel is fully convinced that this is a converse, uh, curse now and is on her side. And they get together and uh, Rose explains things off screen to Joel. So that way we don't need to hear the explanation for the 15th time. Yeah. Uh, and he's the first person to actually sit down and listen to her or to believe her. So that meant a lot to her. Uh, They didn't spell that out, but you can clearly tell that she cares very much about that. And Joel said that the longest case before somebody died was one week. And most of them don't make it past four days. And she's like, today's my fourth day. Yeah. Pretty significant. Very much like the ring. So Joel Joel takes uh, Rose to a prison to speak to the person who killed somebody to break the curse. And uh, she explains the situation yet a fucking again. And he says, the cop needs to leave before I'm going to talk to you. 
and when Joel finally leaves, he's telling her, hey, you need to kill somebody so that way you can get rid of the curse. Well, she, uh, she lied to him and said it wasn't her. Yeah, it, it was, was a patient. It was a patient. And he's like, hey, you need to kill somebody to get rid of the curse. But in order for it to truly work, I believe you need a witness there so that way you can continue to spread. And he finds out because she slips and she's like, well, how the fuck am I going to get rid of this? And he freaks the fuck out when it's actually her and not a patient. And he's like, you need to get the fuck away from me. You are not bringing that thing back on me. Uh, He's terrified that if she kills herself, then he's going to get it again or that this curse is trying to come back to him. Yeah. It follows. (laughs) Very much. It follows. Um, So Rose is back at home and her therapist rings the bell and says, hey, I'm sorry they ambushed you yesterday, but you need to convince me that you're not a danger to yourself or to others, or I need to report you to the authorities because I think that you're batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, so they're sitting down, they're talking things out on the couch, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and she's like, well, aren't you going to pick that up? So she picks it up, and it's her therapist calling her while her therapist is sitting there talking what? to her. What? Uh, the best parts of this movie are when the phone rings yeah. every time. This is another very good part of the movie. And the therapist, as she knows what she's talking to, just slowly stands up and smiles and uh, starts walking towards her. Rose hops back in the car, puts a knife in her sleeve, making it appear like you know what's going to happen. Although they try and pull a twist on you. If you don't watch horror movies, it might actually work. For anybody who does, completely obvious she's not actually going to kill somebody to break the curse. So she ends up at the hospital. I she didn't know that. Yeah, see? So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, she pulls up into the hospital, and she walks into the room with Carl, the guy from the beginning. And as soon as he sees her, he starts freaking the fuck out, and he's screaming. And her boss walks in, and she just stabs the shit out of Carl a whole bunch of times. And then he starts to smile and laugh and smile, and the boss pulls his face off. And then she wakes up, and she's in the parking lot. Her boss knocks on her window, and she says, uh, I need to be alone. And she drives off. So once again, I knew where this was going. She's going to face this demon, and she thinks the way to beat it is going to be to be someplace completely... Completely isolated, so there's no, no witnesses. Um, and we get a flashback uh, as she's driving there of Rose's mom in bed after taking the pills trying to commit suicide. And she's asking Rose to call for help. Please, uh, mom made a mistake. I need you to call for help. And Rose runs. She's freaked out. She doesn't know what to do. So her mom killed herself and uh, Rose was too scared to react. So that's why she blames herself, like it was her fault, but it really wasn't. As she's driving to the childhood house to confront this thing, it gives you more upside-down camera shots of the woods, as if we didn't get enough. This one was done the best out of all of them, but we've had the same shot four times now. We don't need it again. Uh, Rose locks up the house. She has a lantern and uh, turns the lantern on because there's no electricity in the house. Then we hear a door uh, open in the background, and she goes to investigate it. Here's a woman crying in her mom's room. She sees a woman crying down and bent over, and it's her mom. Uh, and she's like, hey, I'm really sorry. I, I tried to be a good mom, but 
why wouldn't you save me? You let me die. You killed me. And then her voice starts changing. And Rose is like, oh, you're a monster. I know you need help, but I couldn't help you. And uh, Rose's mom turns into this giant thing uh, and smiling and turns into this huge, like, creepy, fucked up person. Yeah. Getting overdone. I've seen it too much. It was in Barbarian. It was in It. It was in a whole bunch of recent movies. I'm getting sick of seeing the giant person. Yeah, it thing. didn't really um, make sense. Yeah. Uh, the director said the mother growing in size is meant to drive home Rose's feelings as she's back to being a child again in the presence of her mother. The illusion was created in part with a rebuilt hallway at a smaller scale and with a monstrous double played by Kevin Kevin. <coughs> um, so, yeah, okay, you're trying to get too artsy in this thing. Uh, I just think that the giant monster is getting overused right now. So she explains to the monster, hey, it's my mind, and uh, I, you're not real. And the monster's like, yeah, it is your mind, but you can't escape it either. Uh, she tries to light the monster on fire. The house ignites and falls apart with the monster inside, and Rose watches it from a distance. Rose drives back to Joel's place, and... Uh, that's where you figure out that they were a couple previously. That's where you figured it out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Um, maybe I was kind of zoning out because I was sick of the touchy-feely she, stuff. She was just saying, once she gets back to Joel's house, how since her mom's suicide, she's like put so many barriers up in walls so she never lets anybody in. She started to feel safe with him, which freaked her out. So she's like, I got to end this. I got to break it off. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought that I didn't catch that they need to break it off. I, I knew that. She said that she was putting up berries. Anyway, um, so she asks if she can sleep in the place, and uh, he smiles, and she's like, you need to stay, though, to watch over me. And he's like, don't worry. I'll stay with you. I'll stay with you forever. And then he starts smiling and laughing. Rose comes back, too. She wakes up or whatever. She's outside the house, but the house is not damaged at all. So she dreamed that she put this demon out um and joel comes to the house and she runs back in because she doesn't want him around and the monster is still in the house and it rips off its face it shows its its real face and she's so entranced by her like she gets asphyxiated by it and opens up her mouth and the demon enters into her and joel breaks down the door because he can hear her screaming and then uh he sees her dousing herself in kerosene she turns around smiles lights the match joel's next in line roll credits yeah um what point was it that i said that you need to remind me of that i wanted to talk about it again <laughs> all right i appreciate that Sorry. uh let me see if i can find this real quick tell me who you think that this movie is for me <laughs> did it scare um, you well i mean i i don't like the creepy smiles so i mean it's gonna freak me out for the next couple of days um i just that in itself as a story plot i think gets me freaked i don't really know who this movie's for because it's it's like you're saying um it's a very copy and paste from other horror movies where they've added things but they didn't really take a different approach 
Um, I get not, not like a horror buff, buff but, but not somebody that hates horror. Somebody right in the middle. Gotcha. I can agree to that. Uh, this is for people who want to be spooked but not to be scared. That's how I kind of look at it. Yeah, it wasn't scary. I wasn't like, oh my god, like this could happen, that type of feeling. But again, I think if you watched it in a bigger setting or maybe we turned the volume up because we did have closed captioning on, maybe it would have given me that more kind of uneasy feeling when the jump scares were coming. Um, but yeah, that, I... I would say I would put it in the middle. Somebody that's not looking for like on the edge of your seat entertainment. And I think that's why this movie did so well because it's not terrifying. When you have a movie that's absolutely terrifying, that's not going to appeal to the masses. That's going to appeal to a certain group. Um, And this is just spooky enough to where the horror community itself isn't going to hate it. They'll think that it's good uh like i did um maybe even a little bit better than what i thought um but i think that's why it did so well so you need to be willing to be spooked but not scared uh and you need to be able to handle a little bit of gore i'm not going to say this thing was completely yeah. over the top but it yeah. definitely should did show there a little bit there were some scenes where i was gross yeah and it's, it's definitely practical effects for the most part they do a very good job with that uh, i'm going to pause this real quick and go back in the podcast and see where i said hey remind me of that and we'll be right back for you will be instant all right stacy to the rescue so the thing that i wanted to jump back in on was uh when she went to the therapist for the drugs this seemed very much like that monster thing lived inside of her mind so I'm very curious to if she did end up getting prescribed uh, drugs to help calm her mind, would that fix this problem? Would it have been roll credits at that point? Yeah. Uh, obviously, she'd have to be on them for the rest of her life, can't miss a day, otherwise the demon's back. But it's very much the monster lives inside of your mind, so if you can control your mind via medication, uh, I'm very curious as to whether the credits would have rolled at that point that's an interesting perspective because even the demon recognized yeah i'm in your mind um and once she tried blocking it out it worked even if it was only temporarily um i'm very curious to if she were to take some type of uh anti-psychotic anti-psychotic medication if that would put this thing at bay at least temporarily while on medication Something that you'll never know. Uh, (laughs) So until next time, this is the Horror's Edge Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. Maybe you'll hear us better next time. Take care, everybody.